Good morning, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. My name's Dr. Elise Lang. I'm a GP in Cardiff and a Macmillan GP advisor for Wales. It's Wednesday, the 12th of August, um, and we're delighted to introduce a, a new guest this morning. Um, I've got my regular colleagues with me. I've got Fiona Rawlinson and Rachel Lee, both doctors in Cardiff, Fiona being a palliative care consultant, and Rachel is a GP and a GP advisor for Macmillan in Wales as well. But as a fourth um, member and a guest this morning, we've got Becky. Becky, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, I'm Becky Roberts. I'm a registered manager and also a nurse of 30 years plus. Um, and I run a, a nursing home in Cardiff called Ely Court Care Home, where I've been manager for the last three years. Lovely. And, and it doesn't need much of an introduction as to why we've asked a care home manager into uh, our podcast about community care and how that's changed through COVID. Um, we're sitting now in the middle of, of 2020 and I suspect in a very different position to where you were in the middle of 2019 last year. I guess um, just to introduce a little bit, how, how have things been in, in the care home through the last six months and, and how have things changed? Um, it, it's been a very difficult, very stressful time. Um, and, and I think anybody in a care home would understand that. And it's, it's finding a different way of working. Our world in a care home from a very routine type structure suddenly was thrown into complete disarray. Um, we suddenly, and it was very early identified that people and older people in care homes were actually in a high risk category, although maybe it wasn't recognised. Um, and we found that we needed to protect these at a very early point and protect our communities. We could see that the death rates were increasing and the need to stop unnecessary visits from outsiders so we could actually protect the older vulnerable people um, was, was something that we had to do, A, just within this care home, but we've also got 14 care homes in South Wales in our group. So it went right across the board that we shut down on the 12th of March. So we actually shut down very early to actually protect the communities. And I think going through that, the changes in policy, the, the new scientific evidence, the introduction of PPE being used all the time and the impact it had on on, on the staff, but also how we communicated with our older people. Um, it, you could see those fast changes going on, that the, the lack of access to their families, face-to-face um, -face particularly, then, you know, sort of as you work through that process that you start finding new ways of working, you start bringing in more technology, um, you, you, you just you just have to, to, to find a way through this and pick your way through it. It didn't happen overnight because nothing is safe enough to happen overnight. But I think all together collectively and with, with guidelines and, and working with our other healthcare professionals, we did manage to find a way forward successfully um, and productively. Um, and it has allowed um, a different um, emphasis on the way that we work in a care home. Nurses are becoming a lot more empowered um, in care homes. They feel that they've, they've got a voice again and that they are not just here, here dishing out tablets, but they are actively involved in their patient's care. And, and I think from a nursing point of view, that's, that's, a, that's a big sh shift in, um, in, in philosophy and, and change. Um, We've also been in, 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 in a lucky opportunity of working with social services on a, a close basis to offer them some additional services. 
um, which was a risk, but it was risks that were well managed um, and developed. Um, and so generally just working forward through, through that process. Um, we were also incredibly lucky that COVID never did get into Ely Court um, through staff or through residents. Um, it, it, it's something that we're very proud of. We worked hard and we had strong policies and robust procedures, but also we do accept the fact that we were a little bit lucky as well. Um, but I won't say that we hadn't, we didn't have admissions at that time. We have had admissions. We've just been able to manage them in a way that protected the rest of the community. That, that's amazing. And, you know, well done to you. And, and I think, you know, yes, lucky is a huge part of it. But I think, you know, take the credit as well that, you know, all, all the protective mechanisms you must have done and all the training for your staff must have had a, had a huge impact as well. And, you know, similarly to, to the sort of changes we've had in general practice as well with the with the lack of contact with patients with the um you know the technology needed and things like that it has been sweeping change which none of us yeah. predicted and and some of it is is for the good isn't it and will last and and you know will, will be a successful way of working but there's others which are more challenging and i think the patient contact certainly now in in august we have more patients ringing in who will say I just want to come in, Doc. Can, can I just come in and, and have a chat with you? You know, I've got a few things I want to talk about, but I much prefer to do it face to face. And so I imagine, you know, I can't imagine, I suppose, you just how much harder that is when it's a loved one in a, in a care home. Yeah, um, so. so how many how many weeks did you go by without any visitors at all as such? Was it? Um, we we had a long period of time from from our lockdown on the 12th of March. Um, we would allow visits from healthcare professionals but under strict PPE guidance um, and that they were monitored just the same as our staff. We opened up our outside social distancing visits in June. So that was a long time, a very long time. It yeah. really is and I suspect that um, you know that there were a number of sort of PPE um, moisture sort of masks filled with tears and stuff weren't there with that I can imagine that I think yeah I think we were also quite lucky because we managed to get some technology to support um face-to-face -face, um video calls and things that really really did help but I still think it has its it's we know we know in our profession that touch is probably one of the most important things that we do that showing of affection that family touch our touch with our residents is really, really important at any stage when they're upset, when they're happy. We touch and the need to just try and step back from that touch a little bit um, is hard for us as healthcare professionals. But I think from families not being able to touch their loved ones still, that is hard, really, really hard, particularly when they might be sensitive, uh, you know, sensitive, um, have a, a sensory um deficit that they might be hard of hearing or they might have poor eyesight although we use assistive technology in the garden it's still not the same as sitting very close to somebody and talking to them in their good ear or their you know their hearing aid that actually is 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 working for them and, and I think that is something that's been very poignant to me as well very very poignant I know that um, Fiona's done a lot of work with communication skills and other things. Fiona, would you have any comment to make on those sort of adaptions and how it's been? Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm listening kind of in, in awe and just kind of, you know, just remembering. It, it's so easy to forget, but just remembering the intensity of the time 
that we're living through. But the thing I wondered, though, was about just going back to your 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 feeling about the the empowerment of staff and, and slightly the shift in emphasis for staff mm-hmm. and, and what what you all provide, what we all provide. Um, what how have you managed to support your staff through this necessary change and 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 that that real ache that that the craft of for example touch and non-verbal communication has had to change how, how have you managed to support your staff because i can imagine you know well everybody will be feeling the same yeah i i think it's uh, it's about culture it's about culture of of, of us all as characters I think the one thing that we identified very early is we became a bubble we we were the outside world was going on around us but we were very much in our own bubble um, and we became and we, we talk about our Ely Court bubble um, that we became a a family with our residents we we became a different sort of family so our family supported one another I supported my team. They could come and talk to me about anything if they were struggling with any family issues outside. Um, they, they would come and talk to me. But empowering them and giving them that their voice to talk and to have that openness enabled them to talk to our residents and communicate with them. Um, but also we were able to talk to families as well. And we spent, my nurses, myself, spent a lot of time on the phone to our families and they know that they could phone at any time and ask the most silly question or you know whatever they wanted to they had that that freedom we also as a a company our directors sent out some really good um strong information to our families as well some really good letters explaining what journey we were on explaining why we were making some of the decisions that we were making And actually, our families felt that their loved ones were incredibly safe because we had a company behind them and and, and philosophies that really did want to protect them. That was a very strong message I got from my families as well. But being in our Ely Court bubble and going through this intensity, there was a lot of fun, a lot of laughter, a lot of silliness. um, And... Because nobody else was coming into the building, some of that could happen in a completely different way without them feeling daft. And, and I really do, imp- you know, admire them for that because the laughter and the, the mischief and the, the general um, ambience in the home has been amazing. It's not been a sad place. It's been a very happy place. Mm-hmm. And we haven't been dealing with the outside influences that can sometimes happen in a home. We've just been dealing with our own bubble. And that, that's nice. That's a very nice home. Yeah, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. And can I just go then and ask, ask um, living in that intense time, um, when somebody died from natural causes, just an anticipated death that would have yeah. happened anyway, absolutely unrelated to COVID, um, I could imagine that actually managing the impact of staff again might be just that little bit different because you have been in that bubble you have kind of been in yeah. slightly more family family environment your your additional family yeah. i i, I think staff has that yeah i i think 
it's making sure that they understand what journey that we are on um, and what also that that our older people are coming to a natural end of their life and it's how we how we as as, as me as a manager and a nurse lead that practice that I I'm a very hands-on nurse still I'm, I'm, I'm a manager but very very hands-on um, and it's it's up to me to leave lead that practice and, and lead my nurses and lead our nursing assistants and our carers to to allow them to be sad, allow them to understand it is natural and it, and it is a release for them because of the journeys they've been in, on in their own health needs. Um, but also that we can still support the families as well. And we did experience some beautiful deaths through this. Um, pandemic beautiful obviously non-covid deaths but they were beautiful because they were calm and they were serene and they were dignified we had access to medication treatment plans it it was there it was in place we could be responsive with using syringe drivers if we needed to because that again is important that we are all upskilled and able to use them um, it's, those are all the important elements of what we deliver. But it's it's making sure that the, the care staff had a voice as well. If somebody seemed unhappy, they were involved in that. So when that person did die, they felt they had been involved in a good death. That's important. Yeah. Uh, that's really powerful. It's lovely to hear as well. And, and something that we've spoken about at, at times with our other podcasts as well. Um, I was going to ask just leading on from there, I guess, whether there's been any sort of surprise benefits from the situation you found yourself in. Obviously, the one thing you alluded to just then was the sort of camaraderie and, and the, the sort of fun, you know, in a, in a very difficult time. And, and perhaps that was the release that you all needed and things. But, I, you know, I, I sort of heard other articles and things saying that actually some dementia patients in homes have been more settled through COVID, through not having had the disruption of people coming in, and particularly, say, dementia patients who don't have many visitors and, and would be upset or un, unsettled by other people having visitors and, and things like that. And I just wondered whether you've noticed anything that perhaps, you know, wasn't what you'd expected, but actually something that could be a positive to take forward. I, I certainly think that the calmness of the home has been very beneficial um, for some people. It, there is less distractions going on. So therefore, we can actually focus more on them as people and individuals more often. Um, I haven't seen those big changes um, because we're not supporting a lot of people with dementia. Um, but I, I have noticed that. That in some people, it can ha not having access to families has been more detrimental to their mental health. Um, so it's 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 very much a mixed feeling. Um, it's a very mixed feeling. Um, I th I think my 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 stronger feeling is is um, those those a lot of those have actually missed that contact with their families um, and that face to face contact. Particularly if I know families were coming in every day. Um, because we had some families were having visitors every day or, you know, two lots of visitors every day. I think they find that more difficult. Um, but just the calmness of the home. So therefore, the lack of people coming through just had a big impact. Um, but I, and I, th I think, yes, it's probably made the co home calmer because those who are slightly more anxious, there's not so many changes going on. Yeah. 
you know, my, my presumption without knowing an awful lot about it would be that, you know, it would be detrimental to not have the touch and the, and the conversations with family. But I just heard some positives. So interesting, interesting to hear what what else is, is going on. Mm. There's obviously been a lot more national headlines as well about sort of PPE and, and sort of, you know, the troubles with, with, with care homes. Have you ridden that storm, you know, reasonably? How have things been? I, I will um, have to, to pay credit to, to Cardiff Social Services on, on this. Um, they were responsive as quickly as they could be. Um, they got stock to us very fast. Um, they then enabled really good robust systems so we were able to access PPE at any time um, the you know the, the times that we, we needed it when it started coming out we, we had access to it initially we could only have a mask and it had to last all day but within a few days we were able to change our masks regularly after eating those sorts of improvements developed we've had access to aprons gloves visors full protective equipment um, very, very quickly. And it is delivered to our door on a weekly basis. And, and, and you know, and we have got good stock levels now. So if we do go into a, a second phase, we know that we will have plenty of stock of hand gel and PPE as we need it. Well, that's been a huge relief, particularly when you see the story in other parts of the UK yeah. you know, for people yeah. in yeah. the situation. Yeah. Now, Numbers in, in Wales are perhaps picking up a little bit in terms of COVID and we all sort of steady ourselves in an apprehensive fashion about what may be to come through the autumn and the winter. Is yeah. there any particular concerns, Becky, that you have for the autumn? And I guess, second question, is there anything in community care in, in the general practices, you know, that we can do better or we can do more of to help you through what might be a very difficult time? Um, I think certainly um, with with planning with our GP prior to sort of going into the major process that we were going into, we were able to to put in some strong uh, advanced care plans, some records of best interests in place, making sure that you know families were involved. I think because our GP service now is a little bit more disjointed, um, if anything, that is slightly more fractured um, and that causes me a little bit of concern because we have had new people in so therefore we haven't been able to be as cohesive and um, and organized as we were a few months ago um, but I'm hoping now that we've got a slight period of time that we can actually pull all that together because like you know we have all been having holiday we've had all been trying to have a bit of a break um, ready for the next phase to come on so that's caused a little bit more disjointed um, experiences as well um, but but I, I think with a lot of the work that has been done with access to medication um, and, and the planning I think a lot of that is already in place I think we just need to tighten up for those who now come into our service and now are new to our homes that those are the, the the people and the families that we need to follow up, um, follow up to make sure that we know what their wishes are um, but it is also very difficult to have those conversations over the phone rather than face to face, which is how we would normally have them. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, um, Rachel, you're one of the GPs that covers um, Edie Court, aren't you? Um, no, sadly, no. I'd love to. Oh, sorry, Becky, but hopefully in the near future, maybe. Um, I just wanted to ask Becky a question about using the new technology. So obviously 
we've had to use video consultation and things like that. And have you been able to use that sort of with your residents? Um, no, I, in, in all honesty, Rachel, no. Um, I have I know that there has been some some technology out there that could be used. But at the moment, I haven't got any links or access to that to find a way of working. I have been lucky that my GP has been able to come out once a fortnight um, in full PPE and pasteurized all over every every one of my residents um, to be able to see them. Um, and I have had very close contact with her through, um, you know, messaging services and things like that, where we can actually communicate quite effectively in hours and out of hours. So our constant communication can go on. Um, but actually, the video consult um, is not quite so easy because a lot of the times the the older people aren't as good at using that um, as as well as they should be. Um, and and it can be quite a difficult process. I find yeah, with no, our residents. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I have tried to use it with a nursing home I look after and it does surprise me sometimes how they do. They, some of them do like it. They sort of wave at you and like, oh, it's the doctor. But yes, yeah. it's definitely not as good as face to face. The other question I was going to ask is, have you, how have you, you know, particularly when there were no visitors allowed, were you able to sort of use things like sort of video you know, consults, Skype calls for the families to see the residents? Or again, was that too difficult? Oh, no, no, we we did. Um, we we've got um, WhatsApp video. Um, and we've got a tablet that was provided by our company. But within that, um, we had to actually have our communication system upgraded. So in the middle of lockdown, we had to have communication people in covered in PPE, covered in masks, visors and everything. So we could actually get that. And that was a priority. Um, and as long as they were protected coming in and they were away from the residents, they actually had to up, upgrade our our system for us to be able to use it, which they did really quickly and all credit to the company because they realised that we needed that and we couldn't we couldn't use it um, because a lot of people didn't have access, particularly as we were trying to isolate our residents at that time away from each other as well. So that that isolation was even more important that we had access to these um, methodologies. I also know that my staff were incredibly naughty um, and I will use the word naughty because, of course, a lot of them have got FaceTime on their phones. So I know that, you know, FaceTime calls were going on until we got our tablet in place and up and running. And that was great. I mean, I did know about it because at those times, this is exceptional. We have to allow a certain amount of flexibility. Yeah. Um, but the, the video calls, the families have enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed. Yeah. But not everybody can access that. It's it, like Fiona says, it's funny how you forget us now. I think our, all our t telephone lines are upgraded in the surgery as well during this as well, as yeah. coincidence happens. Yeah, Fiona, yeah. if you'd like to come in. You're on mute, Fiona. Um, Rachel, thank you. Uh, it, it's just it's so interesting to have a, a moment just to reflect on it all. But I just wanted to take you back and just pick you pick, pick up the thread that you were saying when you were having new 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 people coming in and just thinking of you know moving forward now you know you you after the first after the first wave when you were establishing the the the, the escalation of treatment plans and everybody's wishes you you used the word i think individualized and and actually specific to the person and yeah. and i think there's been a lot of of 
of myth, a lot of concern, a lot of stories, a lot of media hype, a lot of media stories about situations where it was felt that there may have been, you know, blanket policies for this and the other. Um, and so just going back to your individualised thing, moving forward, when you do have new people coming into to the home, um, do you approach the um, patient and family wishes kind of very early on when you've got the opportunity for people together or, or, or do you stagger it a bit? How, how does how does it work? Um, I, again, it's looking at individuals on an individual basis. You might have some ideas of where they're coming from, community, another hospital, what sort of discussions have already gone on, what pre-planning is there a DNA CPR in place? Um, if you've got sometimes if that has already been discussed and agreed and the families are actually aware of it, then we can build on that and then say, well, you know, what do we want in the next stage? We're looking at, um, you know, again, an escalation in treatment. Are we looking at, you know, reversible conditions and how are we going to treat them? Is what is the ceilings of treatment? And, and I think a lot of that, sometimes that you do it, I do it quite early on. Um, I think having um, done some palliative care in a, and a module, I feel a little bit more empowered to do that. Um, and I often have those discussions and say, well, you know, I'm going to put some what if scenarios. And, you know, we've got to talk about the, the good things as well as the bad things. You know, we can tell you about the mischief we get up to. We've also got to talk about the serious stuff and the hard stuff. You know, has mum, dad, you ever had any thoughts about what we would want or particularly if they've come from hospital, we don't ever want them to go back to hospital again. You know, we don't, and particularly at the moment with everything that was, we had some very strong views that they didn't want the families going into hospitals. So the ceiling of treatment would be what we can deliver. Um, and, and that has actually been quite beneficial to us. Um, be, and, and we were able to plan quite, quite well with our families. We've probably taken on a couple more ceilings of treatment in a slightly higher level where we've avoided keep people, keeping people out of hospital by maybe using subcut fluids it, rather than and, and oral antibiotics rather than going into hospital for IV fluids and IV antibiotics. Um, and if that wasn't going to be successful, then the general decisions were then that if it wasn't, you know, if that didn't manage it, then that that would be OK. I mean, as it happens, we reversed a, a difficult situation. Um, so I, I think it's having those discussions at different stages. But again, using your skills and your knowledge to to get the clues from the person, their families and what also what history you've got to be able to start exploring those in a in a an empathetic, but also um, perceptive way. Yeah. What a fascinating question, Fiona. Thank you for picking up on that. And I guess going to the other end of the, the journey, then you've you know, mentioned some really fantastic experiences around death and, and some very calm and serene experiences, which I'm sure loved ones and, and you know, other people with relatives in homes all across the UK would be really grateful to hear. Um, I'm just wondering whether there's anything that the home has done differently or whether the home has noticed with regard grief in this time and, and you know people's and, and your relatives experience after death I suppose I don't know what support was available beforehand but I know that some of the 
for example, Fiona's hospice have stepped up the amount of sort of counselling and, and options that are available post death for relatives. And I just wondered how things have changed with that. It must be a very different experience when patients, relatives come and get their belongings and things like that for you all. To me, that is the, one of the most hardest things we've ha- I've, I've had to deal with. I found that probably one of the hardest things that I've done. Um, I think because you know with when when somebody was getting to that 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 final stage of their their natural life you were able to support the families in PPE to come and spend a little bit of time with them so they could send their good save their goodbyes and occasionally they were there at the end as well which was really beautiful but then knowing that they then had to leave um, and we would care for their loved one until their onward journey with the funeral directors but having to so sometimes I find families have found it um, really important to pack up their their loved one's belongings and to take them out of the building, that they felt that that was important. And then the staff would pop in and speak to them and, you know, that they would get a lot of um, uh, calmness and, and support in that process. The difference is now that we've been packing that up, their belongings up, and they've been collecting them from the door the finality of that has been harsh so I've often been there with my myself chatting to them supporting them giving them advice over the phone maybe um and also sort of signposting them but they're in that how do you know what do we do about registering the death because everything changed and it's me who's asking the questions and I haven't always got the answers you know that I've been asked the questions and I don't actually know. I didn't know what the formal process was. So I think that has been quite hard. And although we can signpost them to some counselling services, it, it's been very difficult because I haven't been able to sit with them and talk to them or even cuddle them, which is something that I would naturally do if they wanted that. Because so often, you know, people do come to that, you know, they look to you for that, that reassurance that, that things will get better. Um, and as a nurse and, you know, with that compassion, when you've had that intimate relationship with somebody, not to be able to give that at the final stages is really hard. And giving that, them that over the phone, you know, it's really difficult, really difficult. Fiona, is there anything you'd like to say on that? I know this is something that you feel very passionately mm-hmm. about. Very much so. No, I, I can, I can. I can feel, I can, I can feel and and sense the 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 ache, the 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 anguish, and I think, I think it, you're right. I think this is at the point where, actually, the 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 that 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 physical urge to 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 do something which you 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 can't do in the same way, has yeah. added to the pain, and and it it's difficult. It it it's a loss. It it. Yeah however we are about it we can't bad news is bad news we we can't we can't make it good we can make it as good as we can but loss and that that adjustment even if it's something expected yeah that everybody's at peace with but at the moment when the person dies the world for that family is forever different and and absolutely that's enormous and our usual ways and our usual nonverbal ways are we can't do in the same way. No. I think I think that's where that's where 
um, for for us and for staff as well mm. that we we can signpost people and yeah. there are now there are now thankfully um, a lot of resources in particular the the crews were were very quick to have something on their website early on about yeah. the challenges about grief and bereavement in coronavirus yeah. we can yeah. signpost but we 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 can't bring the person back and no. and I think for for us in City Hospice, what we have been noticing and are preparing for is just people have been very stoic. And I think between March and June particularly, they they've however difficult it's been, they 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 have because the world has been kind of or, or our world has kind of been on a level playing field. You're all in it together, and and you you know this is how it is, and yeah. although. When things are opening up now, grief is just is is getting more complicated because people have to retell their stories. Yeah. There's a sense of being in it all together. It's tough, but this is how it is. I think it's very muddly now with 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 different with some sort of different arrangements and the ambiguity that that's in the world around us. Mm. But no, I I can I can I can. I, I think it is genuinely a difficult time and all all one can do isn't one is just we can be there. It's not quite the same in mm. some way. We can be there, we can do things as best as we can. Mm. Grief is grief and loss is loss. And it's it's just it is that natural journey. And I yeah. think lots of lots of the, the, the calls that I've been involved with, that bit about grieving that actually the it's about living in a world where the person isn't. That's that's the that's the next bit of the journey. And and in a sense, sometimes explaining that to people, I sense that actually that's the light bulb moment. That that it it has happened and it's difficult, but actually the world is still going on, and I've somehow got to find find out how I live in it. Without yeah, yeah. to see mum or dad every day, or picking up the phone, or or using well, particularly as the world might have changed while they were in that process that normally they would have been seeing mum every day and they haven't been able to and then they you know they 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 slip into that next stage and and they die peacefully they might have been there for those last few moments but they haven't been able to do the the new and I think there's a certain amount of anger with that um and I've I haven't seen it um but I felt it that you know well this is unfair because I should have been there for mum and I should have been spending more time with her. Um, particularly as some of our families, you know, weren't because of their own situation, were working from home or they were furloughed or something, that they would have had more time. And and they weren't able to use that time. And 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 so you can feel that a little bit more, that you can feel that anger. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. It's something that came up on a, on a call with Macmillan as well this week about, you know, <clears throat> all that difficulty that you both described, Fiona and, and Becky, about loss and things being different. But but actually the world is very different right now. And at what point does the grief come out? You know, at some point down the line, isn't it? And, and how we sort of steady ourselves and others for that time and what supports there. We've come on a real roller coaster of emotions, I think, through this. And, and actually, you know, let, let's focus on the positives and actually the thing that came out in in waves was your your love for the home and yeah. um the two things i really picked up on which we've heard in other podcasts with other health professionals but th that i think you know covid would would not 
expect you to have would be communication yes. and that your communication channels have changed massively um, yeah. between you and your and your um, residents and between your residents and their families and between you and the families and also the health professionals involved. But the other one would be the camaraderie and the, and the team working. And, and I think, you know, we wouldn't have foreseen this going into COVID. We all thought it was going to be tough. And, you know, we all had to study the, you know, the emotional burden of, of what that would be for ourselves. But actually, you know, we're in this together. And that really came through that you, you supported your team yeah. and, and that the team sort of got through this. Because of the what team supported me as well. And I think we've got to look at that. Yes, I gave to them, but they were able to give to me back as well, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well done again. I think, you know, just aware of time, I'll, I'll sort of ask for closing comments really now and, th and then wrap this up. But thank you ever so much, Becky, for your, for your time this morning. Fiona or Rachel, have either of you got sort of final questions or, or comments that you'd like to bring in? Uh, just to say thank you. It's been so interesting to hear, Becky, your experience. Um, I think what I've been struck with the nursing home I look after is how supportive the community have been. So the WI have been amazing and we've had a hundred knitted teddies with masks on for the residents. And uh, sadly, the, there was a COVID outbreak in the home I'm looking after and they had, you know, a, a, a hamper of goodies for the staff because the staff are obviously going through a very tough time as well. And just it's, it's lovely to see the support around the home as well. Absolutely. No, I, I, I would echo that. It's, and it, it's really inspirational to, to, to hear, you know, yes, to hear how, it, how it's gone. I, I think the, the, your last point is also, also really important, that, that, that teams have leaders, but leaders need their teams and teams need their leaders. So, so just again, hearing that, that that has helped is important. And I think for me, it is just going back to what you were saying around we've got this far so now how how can we best keep that calmness and keep keep sustain i think sustain is the right word sustain these structures working ahead and perhaps just a little lesson to not a little lesson a little a little pointed to us to just you know continue to make sure the advanced care planning the future care plans the checking in with people what they might want it's an individual thing for that person and that's been slightly a thread through all of our conversations and I think very much I'm, I'm hearing this I'm hearing this again today but it's mm. a great conversation so thank you very much pleasure yeah thank you again and and keep in touch and, and we wish you all the very best you know through the autumn and winter months and really hope that you know all those efforts that you've done so far can be replicated if there is a second wave but thank you from all of us pleasure thank you